You're listening to Stephanie and Fox, where we aim to educate, enlighten, and evolve your intimacy. You can find us at stephanieandfox.com to learn more about counseling, self-study courses, and retreat services that we provide. This show contains adult content about relationships, intimacy, and sex, and is meant for those 18 years and older. Now please, sit back, listen up, and get ready to evolve your intimacy. Hey friends, it's Stephanie. And today we are riding solo together. Fox is out of the office, so I am running the show. I know, I know, don't worry. I'm not gonna break anything. We don't have a guest this evening either, and I am equally honored and excited with a dash of nervousness, throw that in there, to have this intimate discussion amongst us friends. So, question. Have we as a society been sold a load of crap regarding monogamy? Is there scientific proof that the dynamics in an alternative relationship could actually save a core relationship? And what is this thing called new relationship energy and how does that concept fit into alternative relationships? These are the questions that I will be answering tonight throughout our time together and providing a little bit of clarity so we can all understand what the magic is behind what we do in alternative relationships. Not necessarily swinging, not necessarily any labeled type of alternative. I'm not trying to umbrella that term. I am just saying in any kind of alternative relationship. I work with a lot of couples that deal with infidelity. I personally don't like it. I'm not going to lie. I I love the couples. I love the work. I love the challenge that working with infidelity presents. But I also look at things and I'm like, this could be so easily avoided. And so I really want to spend some time on us talking about the elements of an alternative relationship dynamic that can really help any kind of relationship, whatever they choose. We have been sold our entire lives that relationships should look one way. Relationships should be between a man and a woman and you should be married, you know, just whatever you were sold, that's what I was sold. But whatever you were sold growing up, that's what you think your template is for a relationship. And what if I told you that's wrong? You can define your relationship and it can look any way you want it to look. And I give you permission to do that. Not many times have you been given permission to look at your relationship and say, you know what, this isn't working. Let's negotiate what we want and let's figure out how to make this work. When you come to me and you're dealing with any kind of issues in your relationship, the first thing I usually ask a couple is, did you negotiate monogamy or did you negotiate non-monogamy? And they look at me with a blank stare because they negotiate. What are you talking about, right? I mean. You're just supposed to know what non-monogamy is, or excuse me, what monogamy is. I, I don't understand. Everybody knows what monogamy is. But that's when infidelity happens because we haven't really negotiated what it looks like, what our boundaries are. I have some clients who feel that infidelity is holding hands or kissing somebody, and they are adamant that their, their spouse, their partner, cheated on them because they held hands with somebody or they kissed somebody. Well, I have other couples who present with numerous infidelities, numerous um, 
partners that they've cheated or numerous people they've cheated on their partners with and the partners you know they're like eh you know I mean one or twenty we're here and so it's just what's your comfort level and how do you want to negotiate your relationship follow along with me for a second so we have this big beautiful house unfortunately we have a house fire and the entire house is burnt to the ground when the firefighters come and everything is put out, what is left? We have the foundation of that house. The foundation usually, and firefighters don't get mad at me saying this, but this is just my take on it, usually is still intact. Everything else can be burnt to hell, but that foundation is intact. So my theory is if you have a solid foundation, we can burn the rest of your relationship to the ground and rebuild it to look like anything you want it to look like. We can rebuild it to be a mansion. We can be rebuild it to be a shack on the beach. Whatever you need in order to make your relationship successful is up to you. You are the designer of this. Now, normally when I present this concept to couples, their minds are blown. They can't see past what they've been told their entire life. So they don't even know where to start. And that's where I get to be I guess the sculptor of their plans. I get to help them navigate what they want. And I pull elements from all of my couples. And mainly I pull the elements from, and the dynamics from couples that are in non-monogamous relationships because there is a specific science behind why non-monogamy actually works and produces a happy, healthy, functioning relationship. And that's what uh, we're gonna move into. So have you ever heard of the Coolidge effect? So the story goes a little like this. Grace Coolidge and her husband, Calvin Coolidge, who happened to be the 30th president of the US, were visiting a chicken farm when they separated to see different areas. Mrs. Coolidge continued following the farmer when she saw a rooster mating with a chicken. She then looked at the farmer and asked, how many times a day does the rooster mate? The farmer then explained that it was dozens of times to which Miss Coolidge said, ha, huh, and I can imagine her little, her little flirty said, well, tell this to my husband when you see him, which of course this information was pace, passed on to the president when he got to the same pen. The president turned around and says, the rooster does this with the same hen every time? And the farmer says, no, it's a different hen every time. Then Mr. Coolidge smiled and he goes, now tell that to Mrs. Coolidge. I could only like imagine him like, hey, 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 you need to tell that to my wife because this needs to be something we explore. And I'm just making that up. I don't know if he really thought that, but in my head, that's how the story ends. And so that kind of started the Coolidge effect. And by definition, the Coolidge effect is increased sexual vigor when a human or non-human animal mates with multiple partners. Reproduction is nature's number one priority. I mean, but if we settle down with one person and fall in love and we stay bonded for a lifetime, then we're not reproducing as much as possible. Unfortunately, our individual happiness does not factor into nature's plan, right? Almost all mammals, including humans, have an ingrained mechanism that scientists call the Coolidge effects, and it operates as a means to seek out novel mating experiences when our fertilization job appears to be done. It works by building a tolerance to, or kind of like a boredom with, the same person or stimulus. 
So over time, their presence becomes less rewarding to the primitive brain. And continuing over time, we have less and less desire for the same sexual partner. So in his article, Why We Crave Sexual Novelty and What It Means for Our Sex Life, Dr. Justin LaMiller explains that in one study, male participants, male human participants, just to clarify, were either exposed to a constant or a varied sexual stimuli, while their level of sexual arousal was measured by this device that records changes in their penile circumference. It's a pretty cool device. The men who were repeatedly shown the same stimuli showed less arousal over time. You know, in other words, they started demonstrating habituation. But the men who were exposed to varied stimuli maintained higher levels of arousal throughout the entire testing process. And ladies, this isn't just a male phenomenon. Unfortunately, there's less documentation showing the patterns, but it does seem to be less pronounced in females. But in the same article, Dr. LaMiller provided that research on female hamsters, um, and that has found that after mating with one male hamster until exhaustion, the female hamster demonstrated a new interest in the new male as it was introduced to the cage. Ladies, are you ready to take your intimacy to the next level? Head over to our website to find out about relationship, intimacy, and sex counseling. And gentlemen, are you needing a little bit more? Join us at stephanieandfox.com to learn tips on how to communicate with that special someone and ignite that flame. Now, let's get back to the show. Research also shows that women, just like men, show some degree of habituation in response to repeated presentations of the same erotic stimuli. So if you're seeing the same man all the time, doing the same things and it becomes a habit, where is the, where's the fun? So what this tells us is the Coolidge effect isn't unique, it's not a uniquely male phenomenon by any stretch of the imagination. So, it's also linked with a post-orgasm dopamine hangover. So as we have sex with one partner, more and more, the dopamine release signals, they get weaker. And this results in decreased interest and leads to people wanting to seek out a new partner. So scientifically, if you are having sex with the same person over and over and over, you literally have less dopamine released into your system, so that's the pleasure, that's the happy drug that our brain, our happy chemical that our brain produces, and if it's not producing the same effect, it becomes routine, and you kind of want to seek out a new partner. So this is scientific, right? There is scientific proof that consensual non-monogamy can save your relationship, and I mean, I'm blown away by it, and I wish I could share this with the world, which I am on this platform, but I want to just move into some other elements that we need to talk about, and then we're going to put it all together. The next element is that new relationship energy. New relationship energy, or also called NRE, is that crazy, giddy, oh, I can't stop thinking about you, everything about you is so perfect feeling that you get when you start a new relationship. See, the biochemistry of NRE is 
becoming really kind of, it's becoming well known. And during the early stages of a romantic relationships, our brains go absolutely freaking haywire. Several neurotransmitters, including norepinephrine, serotonin, dopamine, they're produced in greater qualities and they generally produce these emotional effects that are part of the attraction and the devotion. Part obsessive compulsive disorder and part the mystical experience and a little bit a part of that physical freaking lust. We become infatuated whenever that person is near and we're biochemically predispositioned to overlook their flaws and their faults and we see the best in them. We convince ourselves that we're meant to be with them and we crave their attention. Now, how can this cause a problem in a consensual non-monogamous relationship? Well, if you already have a partner that you are extremely head over heels for and you're in love with and you have that primal, that primary partner, Experiencing NRE with a new partner can cause some issues if you don't talk about it, if you don't really explore all of those feelings and understand what you are feeling. I can't tell you how many times clients come to us and they, they start talking about and explaining, describing, shall I say, NRE, and I'm like, wow, that's new relationship energy. And they're like, what? I don't even know what that is. And once I define it for them and break it down, they're like, yes, that's exactly what I feel. Meanwhile, the other partner, their primary partner, is sitting here going, well, what about me? You know, where do I fit into this? So once we break down why they're feeling that way and how we can control that and how we can use that to benefit the relationship, both partners seem to be um, a lot more relaxed about it. Because of the Coolidge effect and that, that mass need for procreation, um, each time we find a new partner, we have that experience of NRE. And we have to make sure that we're not mistaking that for anything more than our need to procreate if you're in that type of dynamic. Now, let me just throw this disclaimer in there. If you are in a dynamic where you want lots and lots of love and you're in a polyamorous relationship or some other dynamic that allows you to love and new relationship energy is what you're seeking out, perfect. But in my line of work, new relationship energy tends to cause more problems in the beginning than anything else because we it's misunderstood and so I have to break it down for people. Often that animalistic instinct of procreation is kind of mixed up and mistaken with love because of NRE and people start to think oh I'm so in love when no you're you're not you just you just want to fuck to be completely honest and we have to define what those elements are and stay within those boundaries for the relationship that is very 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 hard for a lot of partners to understand and to negotiate and that's why negotiating consensual non-monogamy is so powerful. We innately have this need to procreate. Men more than women. They want that novel experience. They need the new. They need that hit of dopamine that just makes them want to reach out and just fuck, 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 fuck because they want to spread their seed everywhere. And oftentimes women are like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm your partner. 
let's do this with me. So I really want you to see it for what it is and to negotiate that with your partner within your boundaries. And so let's move into what that might look like for you and your partner. I'm going to create a fictitious couple and I'm gonna call them red and blue. Now, it doesn't matter if red is a female or a male, if blue is a female or a male. This concept applies to same-sex relationships as well as um, heterosexual relationships. So I really wanna keep that ambiguous and just say red or blue. So red and blue come into my office and red is extremely hurt because they have negotiated consensual non-monogamy. But one of the elements Red didn't prepare for was Blue falling, quote, falling in love with their new partner. And this is very hard for Red to accept because that wasn't negotiated. Red wants to be the center of attention. Red wants their partner to enjoy something and enjoy this new play partner that they found however it's hurting them and so instead of verbalizing it their actions are showing it and their actions could be you know distance could be sarcasm could be all kinds of different things that's pushing blue away so they've decided to come to marriage counseling and they've sought out a counselor who is familiar with consensual non-monogamy and ready to just work this work it out so they come in to the office and they're sitting there and Red is telling the story about how distant Blue has become, how hard it has become to watch Blue fall in love with this other partner. They're hurt, they feel ignored, they feel left out. All of these negative feelings that they're experiencing because Blue has is feeling that new relationship energy and is head over heels with this new play partner they have. One of my very first questions is I asked them, so did you negotiate your boundaries? And if you did negotiate your boundaries, let's talk about those. What are the boundaries? Well, red indicates the boundaries where we can play, but we can't fall in love. We can play and they're play partners only. They're not a partner that we, you know, bring into. It's not gonna be like a girlfriend or a boyfriend. This is just supposed to be a play partner that they can fantasize with and, and fill the gap for things that I can't fulfill for them. So Blue goes on and Blue tells him, well, that's what I'm doing. And it's just exciting to me, but I, I can't get enough of this new play partner. And that's hurting Red. And I know that, but I don't know how to stop. So as a counselor, I listen to their boundaries. I listen to what they thought was going to happen, their, their perceived expectations. And then we break down the reality of what happens. The reality of what ha what's happening is Blue is not in love at all. Blue is infatuated. Blue feels this surge of chemicals that they haven't felt since they met Red. And so that's something that's been missing in them and that it's exciting, it's fun, it's a little bit dangerous. And they're not trying to make Red feel hurt at all, but it's coming across that way. And so as a counselor, I explain the new relationship energy and I have Blue label his feelings. I have him verbalize what are these feelings and we kind of match it to that new relationship energy. And once we begin to do that, Red sees that it's not about their shortcomings. It's not about what they aren't providing for their partner. It's just about this experience. And like with everything new, 
the new relationship energy will begin to fade. It will begin to taper off and blue will return back to red and look, search for red and get those same gooey feelings from red that they were getting from their new play partner. And so understanding that opens up a whole new realm of negotiation for red and blue. And so what I want you to do as a listener and to take back to your partner is if you are in a consensual non-monogamous relationship, further explore your boundaries. What, what are some of the things that you can push a little bit? What are some of the things you're comfortable with? Has your partner experienced new relationship energy? Have you felt neglected because of that? Are you red or blue in this story? And really just accept what it is and have that open that hope and communication. If you're in a monogamous relationship, I want to encourage you to create novel experiences for your partner. If you are having the same sex the same way all the time, it gets it gets mundane, it gets routine and it's not fun anymore. So I want monogamous couples to negotiate what some boundaries are for their partners. The best way to do this, and I love this activity, is we sit down and I present to them the sex menus and we talk about all of their fantasies. We describe what a fantasy is. We talk about will the fantasy, is it something that you want to come to light or to come true or is it something you want to stay in your head? Is this fantasy something you want to push some borders with or is it something that you want to just kind of test the waters on? And we kind of break down, or we don't, we don't kind of, we do, we break down what all of that means. And then we allow them, or I allow them, to fill out their sex menu. Now you can get your sex menu, your own sex menu, um, if you subscribe to our website and to our mailing list, and we'll send you the free sex menu and you can subscribe to that on stephanieandfox.com. So we've printed off the sex menu and we're sitting there talking about the three sections. The first section are things that I want. These are things that I, I know is within our negotiated boundaries and it's things that I really want, it's things that I really need. Um, it's things that maybe we've neglected to do in a while. And the second box is things I would like to try. These are the things where we're going to begin to push those established boundaries. It's not something that we may be able to do just now, like right off the bat, but it's something that we can work towards. And so this is the fun box for me because this box allows you to think outside of what you've already known, outside of what you are comfortable with. It allows you to add things that maybe are a bit taboo, maybe a bit um, risky. And this is your imagination box. If you could have any sexual imagination, any sexual fantasy, it would go in this box. The third box is the absolutely no thank yous. That's our hard no's in this moment. The beauty of the sex menu is I have couples do the first one and I give them a few weeks to really kind of explore and play out some of the things on the sex menu. The sex menu is not something that you're going to complete all the way sometimes. I have them pick two or three things and I make them, or I don't make them, I ask them to do them within a week. And then the next week to pick two or three more things and to try that. So when they come back after two weeks, we talk about how that felt. Were they able to try anything out of their second box, the things I would like to try? Were they stuck in the things I want box? Did they stay safe or did they explore their boundaries? 
And then we talk about the hard no's. Why is that a hard no? And is that something that might change in the future? We're trying to create this experience that replicates that Coolidge effect. So scientifically, you are trying to replicate a new partner and rev up your partner's in, uh, engines to get them sexually interested in you again. Similar to why consensual non-monogamy works so well because you're having sex with multiple partners and you're taking little bits of them and those experiences and you're adding it to your primary partner and that's firing up your sex drive and firing up your sex life and it's beyond ecstatic, it's beyond electric is just how I define that. The no thank you box is always changing. As you grow, it changes. There are things in my original no thank you box that I do all the time now, and so I just kind of giggle about them. But it's still something at that time, I was not ready for that. I had not pushed that boundary yet. So after two weeks, I have them do another one. We kind of see the difference. We compare and contrast the difference. What's moved in the boxes? Has anything new come into the box? Are you trying to expand in ways that you've never thought about? And we have that really big discussion about what is it that they're excited about? We replay it again, and then I have them do this sex menu about once a month. What you'll find as you continue to do this, things rotate in your box, and you become so comfortable with talking to your partner about your sexual desires. We don't tend to talk about our sexual desires. We've been shut down our entire life and people are like, well, you know, sex is bad, all of that, you, you shouldn't talk about it. And we're just supposed to automatically know how to have sex. We're supposed to know what good sex is. And that's unrealistic. All of that is absolutely unrealistic, but people come into this thinking they know or they're supposed to know as soon as they're married or as soon as they get into that relationship, it's just going to happen. I often joke when I have couples come in and I say, so when you said I do, did the, the minister or the preacher or the person who married you, did they hand you the book? Did they give you the how-to book for your partner? You know, the book that tells you everything about every emotion, all of their sexual preferences, everything they like, all the foods they like, everything they hate, did, did you get that book? And couples will look at me and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? I was like, exactly. You weren't given a template on how to do this. Relationships aren't easy. Also, I want you to think about your relationship model. Who are you basing your relationship off of? That template, was it a healthy template? If it's your parents and they had a very unhealthy relationship and never showed any affection, and now all of a sudden your partner is very affectionate and they're trying to get you to show affection, that's going to be very hard for you because you've never been taught that. You've never seen that displayed. You don't know how to do that. Same for a partner that is um, maybe very new in the realm of sex and they're just expected to know how to have sex because you just know once we get married or get into a relationship, all of that is unrealistic. So these sex menus allow you to Stay in your safe borders, negotiate some boundaries, push them just a touch, and then set that hard, nope, not happening today. And then just hopefully as you continue, that will grow. And that's our hope is that it will grow. 
So because I know I can be a little spastastic sometimes and my ADHD can make me go in a thousand different directions and I don't have Fox here right now to kind of reel me in, I wanna recap on some things. The first thing we talked about was the Coolidge effect and the Coolidge effect is nature requires us to procreate. And so when we have that habitual sexual encounters with our same partner over and over and over, pretty much it becomes boring and we wanna seek out other partners or other sexual experiences to help spice things up, to help increase that hit of dopamine and make us want to really procreate, I guess, or have fun. Fuck. I mean, I'm just going to say it. It just makes you want to fuck. One thing that you have to be very careful of are those negotiated boundaries. And within those negotiated boundaries is the new relationship energy. Sometimes that catches people off guard. New relationship energy is not bad in any way, shape, or form. It is amazing. It's actually one of the best things that you can have happen to you if it's utilized in the correct manner. If you're in a polyamorous relationship, that new relationship energy is shared throughout the whole polycule or however your dynamic is set up, the triad or whatever, however yours looks. It's shared because your partners are so excited that you feel that. There's that compersion and that's just amazing. If you're in a consensual non-monogamous, more like the swingers or something to that effect, that new relationship energy can cause your partners to feel like they're being left out. They can feel unseen, they can feel unheard, they feel like they're not important to you anymore. So I want you to be very careful and very knowledgeable about that and be able to talk about that to your partners. Regardless if you're red or blue, if red was being hurt by blue's actions, you have the ability to talk about it and to communicate it with your partner. I suggest a good eye message. When you're with your new partner and you are talking about them nonstop, I feel like I'm left out because I'm not important to you right now. I would prefer that we shared in this experience and we really talk about what this new relationship energy is doing for you and how it can help me in the the process. So perfect eye message. You can also start to explore a little bit more about your sex life by utilizing that sex menu that you can find on our website. That sex menu is going to allow you to Take that new relationship energy and that concept of the Coolidge effect, combine it all in one and have mind blowing sex. It's going to allow you to push those boundaries. It's also going to maintain and and keep you safe with your hard nose. So there's no overstepping any boundaries. And it's going to probably get you a little bit more um, sex more frequently, which is also fun in itself. So being able to fantasize and imagine about what you want and think about how that can all come together is just freaking hot. I mean, it's just fucking hot. Let's just, let's just throw it out for what it is. So just kind of bringing it all together, the Coolidge effect, the new relationship energy and those sex menus, all of that in combination can be utilized and understood. And now Let's talk a little bit about these fantasies because I get a lot of this. People think that, are their fantasies normal? That's my main question that I get, or the main question I get. Are my fantasies normal? And my answer is always, yes. The human mind is sexual, it's creative, it's exploratory. And fantasizing is just one way people like satisfy their sexual needs and their wants. Most people experience a range of enticing, sometimes even disturbing, or challenging sexual fantasies. Sexual fantasies are normal. 
regardless of your gender, your age, your relationship status. Even asexual people fantasize about sex. Fantasizing does not always or it doesn't mean that this is something that you're going to do. It's not something that you're planning to do or you're destined to do or to pursue in real life. It's just a way to be open. It's um, like, for example, for a lesbian to fantasize with sex with a man, it doesn't make her not a lesbian because she's fantasizing about sex with a man. It doesn't make a man gay if he's fantasizing about having sex with another man. Sexually, sexual fantasizing about someone else while having sex isn't unusual either. In most cases, it's not even detrimental to the relationship. It can actually enhance your relationship. So research suggests that sexual fantasies can boost your confidence. It can help you plan for a future sexual encounter. So fantasizing can help you plan for putting something on that sex menu that's going to possibly help you get it in the future. Um, it can provide an escape for those who are not happy in their real life. Their real life sexual experience is, you know, it's mundane, it's not good. But those fantasies can help really entice it. They can really help spice it up. There's not always a possible reason for individual sexual fantasies or what they mean. Some fantasies have been shown to be associated with specific non-sexual desires, past experiences, personality traits. It's a myriad of things. What I want you to be able to do is to fantasize. Some of the most common fantasies that uh, I guess out there, and this is again by Dr. Justin LaMiller because he did all this research. I'm gonna give you the top five. The first one is multi-partner sex, okay? Like threesomes, orgies, gangbangs. That's the most common. Of course, who wasn't like a good threesome? I like a good threesome. I'm not a really big fan of orgies, but you know, that's my preference. I know that going into this. The second thing that people fantasize about is this power control and just rough sex, that primal instinct of just getting in there. It's kind of like the umbrella of the BDSM and playing with those power dynamics is very sexual. The third one is novelty, adventure, variety, doing something that's new and different for you, having sex in a new position, having sex in a new place having sex outside where you might get caught or you know having sex in a movie theater whatever you can fan whatever you can dream up i almost said fantasize whatever you can dream up whatever your desires are that really sparks some of that too the fourth most common is taboo activities ah <sighs> this is something that you're not supposed to do when it comes to sex but you want it and that's perfectly healthy a lot of like fetish fetish fetish. Boy, that was Texan. Fetish. A lot of fetish fantasies um, fall into this category. Now, I do want to caution you that it's okay to fantasize about things that are taboo as long as they don't become reality. So if you fantasize about having sex with young girls, or shall I say people who look like young girls. It doesn't mean that you're gonna go out and you're, you're wanting to have sex with a young girl. You're wanting to have sex with the idea of the young girl. 
personally, I feel like whenever you made your sexual debut or whenever you feel like you became sexual, that imprints on you. And so if you were 14 or 15 and you became sexual at that time, you may be attracted to what you were originally attracted to when you first became sexual. So that might be the young, younger looking girls, not necessarily young girls, but younger looking girls, because that's what you were originally hooked up with. And that's okay. Just, I want to make that very clear that that boundary cannot be crossed, but it's okay if it's in your mind and it's okay if you're fantasizing about it. And if everything is consensual with your partner, it is okay. Not consensual with children or young girls under 18. Just want to clarify. I feel like that's something that I need to clarify. But moving on. The fifth is passion, romance, intimacy. This is meeting emotional needs. This is connecting. It's feeling loved. It's feeling appreciated. It's feeling desired. All of that really feel-good stuff. I love number six. I know I said I was going to do the top five, but I'm just going to keep going because some of these are so good. Number six is being in a non-monogamous relationship. So some people fantasize about practicing some form of non-monogamy. It can be swinging. It can be polyamory. It can be hot wifing. It can be an open relationship, but you have that fantasy and you're like, man, how hot would that be? That's okay. Those fantasies are perfectly healthy and perfectly normal. To me, I think it's very hot when Fox comes to me and talks to me about some of his fantasies, especially when it's dealing with other women or, you know, other women because he doesn't fantasize much about men, if at all. But it's really hot and I'm like, oh yeah, I like that. And so just being able to think about that gets me excited as too. Excited and turned on as well. I shouldn't say too. I gotta work on my grammar here. So the seventh thing is gender gender bending homoeroticism, okay? It's all about pushing the boundaries of your gender, your role, your identity, your expression, maybe cross-dressing, maybe your sexual orientation, such as being, you know, heterosexual, but having a same-sex fantasy. Real story, we were at our drop zone, and this, she, was, she, she identifies as lesbian, was in there, and she just jumped, and she was all jacked up on all of these feel good feelings because the adrenaline was flowing and she was hitting on her tandem instructor. She was like, ah, oh, you know, and her friend was like, girl, you're, you, you're hitting up the wrong tree. You're gonna, you know, he, he's got a penis. And she was like, I know, but he's still sexy. And she was like, oh, the friend was like, oh, so you're gonna switch, you're gonna play for the other team now. And I stopped him and I was like, hold on, as a sex therapist, I'm just gonna weasel my way right into this conversation. Just because she's a lesbian, and she's fantasizing about having sex with a man doesn't make her any less of a lesbian. Just like if a man was ha having fantasies or desired to have sex with a man just to try it, doesn't make him gay. He primarily identifies as straight. She primarily identified as lesbian, but we can fantasize about anything we wanna fantasize about. Another fun story is I went to my girlfriend and I many, 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 many years ago, many years ago, went to a bar in Dallas called Sue Ellen's. And Sue Ellen's prides themselves in being the premier ladies bar in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And we go in there, and this is my first time to ever experience a bar of this nature, and I'm having a blast. I'm dancing with everybody. My girlfriend is just, she's 
just letting me have free run of the place. And if you know me, and if I get a little alcohol in my system, I just go crazy and I have so much fun. There was a table of cross-dressing men. And I say it like that because that's how they told me. That's how they identified themselves. And these men were all, I mean, one of them was a construction worker. And you could tell his hands were all rough and, you know, just not, I guess I'm kind of stereotypical, but that's, his hands were rough. And they, they, were, they weren't very pretty women. And, I, and they told me that. They knew that they weren't very pretty women. All of them were married to women. So here is a group, there was four of them, four friends who get together and they dress up as women and they go to this ladies bar, Sue Ellen's in Dallas, because it makes them feel good. Their wives know about it. Some of them was even, one of them was telling me that his children know about it. And this is one of their, their, their fantasies. This is their outlet. There is nothing wrong with that. They enjoyed that and they got so much pleasure from that. In their day-to-day life, in the real, quote unquote, real world, they had to be something that wasn't enticing to them. It wasn't pleasurable. It, they had to be what society expected them to be. But in this moment, the four of them could come together and be anything they wanted to be. And I thought that was beautiful. I just loved those guys. And so um, if you're ever in Dallas, check out Sue Ellen's. It's amazing and it's so much fun. But just to kind of wrap it all up together, you can fantasize about anything. It doesn't make you deviant. It doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make you a pedophile. It doesn't make you sick. It doesn't make you a psycho. Whatever those negative things that's been implanted into your head, just because you're fantasizing about it doesn't make that true about you. When you cross the line and you do the activity that is breaking the law, that's different. If it's in your head and you're playing off of it and you're using it as a sexual motivation and sexual pleasures and encounters, great. It's only when we cross the line and break the law that it becomes very bad. So I wanna make that clear distinction. Like I said, the number one question I get is people write in all the time and they're like, is my fantasy normal? Hell yeah, it is. And it's interesting too. I love, I love hearing a good fantasy. I'm not even going to lie about that. People write in and I'm like, ooh, I've never thought about that. I'm like, Fox, read this one. Can we try that? I get some of the best ideas from our listeners who write in just asking me if their fantasies are normal. I'm not even going to pretend like I don't. So thank you. Keep writing and uh, keep sharing your fantasies with me because that gives me a lot of ideas for my sex menu that I share with Fox. And Fox and I do a sex menu about every three months now just to kind of keep things spicy. Our sex life is is very spicy to begin with, but sometimes we get fixated on things and we need a reality check with each other. And so a good sex menu will help us focus on that. All right. Woo! We have made it to the end of the show, guys. I have officially done my very first show by myself. I have to say I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of myself. I don't feel like it was too chaotic. I don't feel like I jumped around too much. So how about you guys write in? Send me an email to give me some, give me some praise. Tell me what I can do better because I know there's people out there that's going to tell me what I can do better and I appreciate that. I appreciate all the feedback. I do want to encourage you to check out our website, stephanieandfox.com. You can find so many free resources there. You can find your, if you subscribe to our members, um, our website newsletter, God, I couldn't even think of what it's called. You'll get your free 
um, sex men you sent to you. There's videos on there. There's blogs on there. So much that you can find on our website. I do want to give you a little uh, teaser to what's coming up over the next couple of weeks. Fox and I will be detailing our trip to Jamaica, our trip to Hedonism 2 that we experienced uh, a couple of weeks ago. I will give you a teaser. It was definitely a trip that I will never forget. Um, wow is all I can say. If you heard the first, the first podcast or if you read any of my blogs about our first trip, this one is, I, 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 it's not that it doesn't compare because it does compare, but so much happened that was so unexpected, it's just mind blowing. And so we sit back now and we had to take a few weeks to process everything that happened so we could provide it the insight to you guys in a healthy way and just in a cohesive way because damn, we, we experienced a lot, good, bad and ugly, we experienced it that trip. So thank you guys for tuning in. And like I said, check out our website, stephanieandfox.com. I will see you soon or hear you soon or I don't know, you know what I mean. Talk to you later. Good night. Thank you for listening to our show. And remember, you are not in this alone, and we are here to help. You can check us out at stephanieandfox.com and subscribe to all of our social media accounts to get free resources about evolving your intimacy. Have a good night. Have a good one.